Uh, please let us turn to the book of Numbers. Numbers in the Old Testament. Numbers. The book of Numbers. Uh, the fourth book in the Old Testament. Fair most book. Fair most book. Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, and we are going to read uh, verses 11 and 12, but as we move on, I will be touching various verses in the book of Numbers chapter 13 and 14, but uh, we are starting uh, reading Numbers 14 verses 11 and 12, Numbers chapter 14 verses 11 and and 12. The Bible reads, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Amen. And our title this uh, afternoon is The Consequence of Unbelief. The Result of Unbelief. If I was to ask, what is the worst sin? Many of us would say perhaps murder or adultery or theft, stealing, or lying, and so on. And there is no doubt that those are terrible sins. But the Bible places unbelief above all those sins. The Bible places unbelief above other sins because it is the root cause of other sins. And it is the worst insult to God. You know, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden because of unbelief. That was the root cause of other sins. Satan came to them and said, Really? Has he said so? If you eat this fruit, you will die? No, that is not true. If you eat this fruit, you will not die. But you, you will be like God. And from that, from that time, they started doubting God. They were filled with unbelief. And they disobeyed God. They sinned against God. And that was an insult to God. So you can see, my dear friend, that unbelief is the root cause of other sins. And it is the worst insult. God. And because of that, unbelief is above any other sin. My dear friends, it is one thing to, 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 to disobey God's commands, but to ignore and reject the gracious invitation of our Creator and to behave as if God did not exist 
is the greatest insult to him. Well, we may disobey God's command. That is a bad thing to do. It is a terrible thing to do. But rejecting his invitation, when he calls you to say, come to me, believe in Jesus Christ, and repent from your sin, and you ignore him, my dear friend, that is the greatest insult to God. Because, in fact, you do not deserve to be called by God. You do not deserve to be invited by God. And when he invites you, it is by grace. Because he is gracious. He is merciful. He doesn't need you. But you need him. And when he comes to you to say, come to me. Believe in my son so that I can save you. And you ignore him. You are insulting God. Not believing in God. Not believing in his person and his works. Not believing in his word. Not believing in his promises and so on. Is to insult him. And God hates that. He hates that very, very much. When we do not believe in him. When we do not believe in his work, his person, his word and his promises. He hates it. So if you live in unbelief, you must know that you are insulting God. If you do not believe in God, if you do not believe in His, in his work, His person, His word, His promises, you must know that you are insulting God. And God is not pleased with that. That means if you, 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 you live in unbelief, you must know that God does not, is not pleased with you. And God punishes the sin of unbelief. He punishes it. Many children of Israel didn't enter into Canaan, they didn't enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Many of them perished when they were close to the promised land. They were only about 160 kilometers away from Canaan. When you read chapter 13 and 14 of Numbers, you'll find that they were in a place called, I think, Paran or something like that. And that place was only about 100 miles to Canaan. So these people, you can see that they, they, they perished when they were very, very close to, to where they were going, to the promised land. They were only about 160 kilometers away from Canaan. They were very, very close, but they didn't enter because of unbelief. And there are so many people who are perishing even today because of unbelief. There are millions who perish despite being close to the entrance the entrance to eternal life. Despite being close to Christ, in a sense, they perish. Some of them are born in Christian families. And to be born in a Christian family, it is to be close to the entrance of eternal life. 
And some of them have been raised in the church. And many of them have heard the gospel several times. Both those who have been born in the Christian families, who have been raised in the church, and those who have not been born in Christian families, many of them, they have heard the gospel several times. And hearing the gospel, it is to come closer to the entrance of eternal life. It is to be close to Jesus Christ. But they have not believed. They have come that close, but they don't believe. They have come close to the promised land. They have come close to heaven, but because of unbelief, they perish. And what about you this afternoon? What about you? Have you come close to, 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 to eternal life? Have you come close to the promised land? But you are still outside. You have perhaps heard the gospel several times. But you have not yet put your trust in Christ. You haven't yet believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are close to heaven. You are a few kilometers away from heaven. But you don't believe. If you persist in your unbelief, you will perish like the children of Israel, despite being close to Canaan, despite being close to Christ or to heaven. God had promised to give the children of Israel the land of Canaan. And when they came close to Canaan, the Lord commanded Moses to send spies into the land of Canaan. And that is what we find in chapter 13 and verse 1 and 2. Maybe we'll read those verses. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. You see that God commanded Moses to send spies into the land of Canaan. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And we see this in chapter 13, verses 17 to 20. Chapter 13, verses 17 to 20, it says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, Go up this way into the south, and go up to the mountains, and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time 
was the season of the first ripe grapes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He told him, send people to Canaan so that they can spy the land. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the major purpose of sending spies was to strengthen the hope of the children of Israel. Otherwise, it was not so necessary to send spies to Canaan because the Lord had already promised to give them the land. He had already promised them. He knew how strong or how weak the people of Canaan were. God had also told them about how the land was. If the land was poor or rich, if the land was fertile or not, God had already told them. In fact, he told them that it is the land flowing of milk and honey. A very good land. So it was not so necessary to send people there again to go and spy, to go and see if these things are are real, are, are true or not. It was not necessary. But the Lord is commanding that some of them go there so that their hope may be strengthened. So the Lord allowed some of them to go there so that they could see by themselves how beautiful and how fertile the land was. Because these people, it seems that they, they really wanted to see before they could believe. They were not people who believed easily without seeing. So the Lord, in his wisdom, he thought that it would be better that some of them go there and see for themselves how this land is. It was also important for them to see how weak the Canaanites were. They were very weak. They were divided into many uncoordinated groups in small cities and settlements. You know, it was not like they lived just in the same area, a big area together. They were divided into small groups here and there. Moskene mountains and there and there. They were separated from each other. They could not be compared with the highly trained and well-equipped army of Pharaoh in Egypt. Very far they could not be compared with them. But despite seeing all those things, ten of the twelve spies didn't believe in God's ability to fulfill his promise. They saw how beautiful and fertile the land was. They saw how the Canaanites were divided into many uncoordinated groups in small cities and settlements. But they still doubted God. They therefore gave frightening reports of the enemy. When they came back, they gave frightening reports, terrorizing reports of the Canaanites. They, they portrayed Canaanites as giants, as very strong people, 
And that is what we see in verse 13, in chapter 13, verse 28, and verse 32 to 33. Maybe you read those verses. It says, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. This is the report of these spies, ten of the twelve spies. They are saying, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And verse uh, 32 it says, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we, we, we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in, in it are men and great, of great stature. There we saw the, the giants. The descendants of Enoch came from the giants. And we were like grass shoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. It was a very demoralizing and discouraging report. But there was no truth in it. It was only something that was in their imagination. And there are so many people who react in that way, even today. They think their sins are bigger than the saving power of God. They stop seeking the Lord because they think that they cannot be saved from their sins. They think their sins are stronger than the power of God. And they say, I have, I have lived this life of sin for many years. It is impossible for me to change. That is what some people say. Oh, you are telling me about Jesus. You are telling me that he can save me. He can change me. But I don't think he can. It is very impossible for me to change. Because I have been like this for many years. I have lived in this sin for many, many years. So my dear friend, if you are in that situation, I want to tell you that no sin is more powerful than the saving power of God. There is no sin that is more powerful than the saving power of God. God can change you. He can give you a new heart. He can. He can make you a new person in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He can truly change you. And you can say like Paul that all things have passed away and all things have become new. I am now a new person, a new man, a new woman, a new boy and a new girl in Jesus Christ. God can save you. He can change you. So keep on seeking Him and He will save you. Go to Him and tell Him that you are a sinner and you cannot change yourself. You, you need Him. You need his, his saving power to change you. You need a new heart. Go and 
tell him and ask him to save you. And God will save you. Don't be discouraged. You may say, well, I have prayed several times for salvation. I have prayed, but nothing is happening. Don't be discouraged. Continue seeking the Lord. Don't give up. Continue seeking Him. And trust that God is able to save you. Trust. Believe in Him. Believe that He is gracious. He is merciful. And He is all-powerful. He is able to transform you, to change you. Believe and continue pleading with Him. Don't be like the ten spies who brought that frightening report of the enemy. Who brought that terrorizing report. Don't be like them. Believe in the work of redemption. Believe that God can save you. That the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary is sufficient to change you. To save you, to wash you, and to draw you closer to God. The ten spies doubted God and they brought that terrorizing message to the rest of the people. And when the people heard their reports, they doubted. The ability of God to save them. And they began to criticize God and his servants. That was their reaction. When they heard what these ten spies said. They said, well, this God cannot save us. He is not able to save us. And they started criticizing God. And criticizing Moses and Aaron. They even went so far as to appoint leaders to take them back to Egypt. It was very dangerous. They said, well, we cannot continue this way. We need to go back to Egypt where we we were slaves. And they appointed their own leaders to lead them back to Egypt. These people had many reasons to believe in God. And to trust his word. They had many, many reasons. They had seen God's mighty power in their lives. They witnessed how God released them from Egypt. It was not easy to come out of Egypt. Pharaoh didn't want to release them. But by the mighty hand of God, they were able to come out of Egypt. They saw this. They saw this. But they were still doubting God. They saw how God opened the Red Sea. How he separated the the, the Red Sea. When they left Egypt, they had to cross the Red Sea. And they had no boat. There was no ship to cross that sea. But miraculously, God separated the sea. And they were able 
to cross the sea. They saw this. And all these are the reasons why they should have believed in God and, and, and in His Word. But despite all these things, they doubted the ability of God to save them. They also saw how God defeated Pharaoh. They saw it. When they left Egypt, Pharaoh could not let them go. He sent his soldiers to go and, and, uh, and bring them back. But God defeated them. They saw how God guided them in the wilderness. We all know about this. There was a pillar of cloud that was guiding them. Every day. They saw this. They saw how God provided for them. There was no restaurants in, in the desert, in the wilderness. There was no rivers, no water. But God provided for them. He gave them food every day. He gave them water to drink every single day. They saw all these things. But they were still doubting God. And the purpose of all those, all those things, the purpose, why God provided all these things, why he did all these things to them, was to bring them into the promised land. He defeated Pharaoh. He helped them to cross Red Sea. He provided in, in, the, in the wilderness, giving them food and so on. Because his purpose was to bring them into the promised land. But when the opportunity lay immediately in front of them, when they were close to enter the promised land, they doubted God. They doubted God. How like them we are, my dear friend. How like them we are. We have so many reasons to believe in God and trust His Word. We have perhaps seen how the Lord has changed people who lived in sin. We have heard many testimonies. People who were considered to be worst sinners, who were perhaps criminals. People who were addicted to drugs and so on. People who were homosexuals. People who are criminals, God has changed them and they have become new creatures in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have perhaps seen all those things. We have perhaps heard of great things God has done. If we have not seen with our own eyes, perhaps we have heard some of the things that God had done. Some of great things. And these are some of the great things we have heard. How we delivered these people from Egypt. How we enabled them to cross the Red Sea without boat and ship. How we provided for them in the wilderness. We have heard about all these things. How we saved Noah. We know all these things. We have heard of all these things. 
and we see his power and existence in the creation around us. Every single day when we look around us, when we look at this world, we look at the universe, I think we are amazed to see how he sustains the universe by his power. How he has created you and me, very sophisticated creatures. Sometimes we, 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 we pause for a moment and begin to think how he created us. Very sophisticated creatures. We see all these things. But we still doubt his ability to save us. So we are not different. We are like the children of Israel. We allow smallest doubt and accusations to discourage us and to keep us away from God. We allow that. I remember at the age of 17, I said that God does not exist. I was born in a Christian family. I was taught the word of God. But when I heard this theory of evolution, I started doubting God. And I say that God does not exist. And I lived for many years without God. I allowed these smallest doubt and accusations to discourage me and to keep me away from God. My dear friend, the Lord is not pleased when we doubt Him. That we should remember. He is not pleased when we doubt without Him. He is grieved when we resist the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and whispers into our ears that we are sinners and we need Jesus Christ and we resist Him, the Lord is really grieved. And He is not pleased with that. So we should heed what the Holy Spirit is telling us. It is only by doing that that we please the Lord. God has shown His great love by offering His only begotten Son on the cross so that our sins may be washed away. He has shown that to us. But we still ignore even this great, uh, great act of the Lord. We ignore it. And we think of Him as if He was an enemy. We criticize him all the time. Or we blame him. All our problems are brought to us by him. That is what we say. And we forget that all the problems we have today, they come from ourselves, from our own sins. But every day we blame him. We criticize him. And so on. That is not fair. God has shown us his great love. He has given his only begotten son. 
He has offered him to the cross so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We shouldn't therefore have this attitude of blaming God, criticizing God all the time. We should know that the Lord will not let unbelief go unpunished. If we continue to ignore him, if we continue to reject his invitation, and we continue to not believe in him, he will not let us continue like that forever. He will be won't. He will come in judgment. And that is what he did to the children of Israel. Let us now read verse 11 and 12 of chapter 14. Very quickly. They say, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them, I will strike them with the pestilence and, and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Because of unbelief, God decided to punish the children of Israel. And here in verse 12 he says, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. These people were his inheritance, but he is saying, I will disinherit them. The children of Israel chose to question God's willingness and ability to keep his promises. So God had every right to abandon them to their own devices. He had the right to watch their destruction by the forces from which he had protected them. Until now, God had protected these people from enemies. They met quite a lot of enemies along the way who were coming to fight them. And God gave them victory and victory all the time. He had protected them. And what God is saying now here is saying that, I will now abandon you. I will watch your destruction. Your enemies will come and destroy you. I'm not going to intervene. I'm not going to help you. So God was saying that I will stop protecting you. Because of your unbelief, I will no longer protect you. So my dear friend, if we too continue in unbelief, if we continue to refuse the grace of God, if we continue to reject the free offer of salvation, we continue to reject his invitation, then we deserve nothing but to die without God and without hope. God will abandon us and we will perish. But there is good news. It is not yet too late. Perhaps you've rejected this invitation for a long time. God has invited you again and again and you've rejected him. It is not yet too late for you to be saved. Our God has not yet closed the door of mercy. He is still gracious and merciful. 
He can still pardon you. He can still save you. Let us read verse 17 to 20, chapter 14. Quickly. Verse 17 to 20 in chapter 14. It says, And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great. This is the prayer of Moses. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of these people. I pray according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven these people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Wonderful. When the Lord threatened to punish the unbelieving Israelites, Moses pleaded with him. He prayed for the nation of Israel. And in his prayer, Moses asked God to have mercy on the children of Israel. He asked him to be kind to them. And God heard his prayers. He told Moses that those who had seen his great works from Egypt would not enter the promised land. That is what God told uh, uh, Moses. That those who had seen his great work from Egypt would not enter the promised land. But the young ones would enter. So he told them like, People from age 20 and above, they're going to die. And the younger ones were the ones who, was, who, who would enter the promised land. In fact, when God threatened, he was threatening to crush the entire nation, to destroy all of them. But when Moses prayed to him, God heard his prayer and he said, well, I will punish those who cannot believe despite seeing all the great things I have done. Those I will destroy and those young ones will enter into the promised land. So you, so you can see that God is gracious God. He is merciful God. He can still save you if you plead with the Lord, if you plead with Him. Ask Him to have mercy on you. Ask Him to forgive your sins and put your trust in Christ and repent from your sins and He will surely give you eternal life. He will change you, He will transform you. Be brave like Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua were among the twelve spies. But they didn't doubt God like the rest of the spies. They didn't doubt Him. Let us read verse 6 and uh, to 9 quickly. It says, But Joshua, chapter 14, verse 6 to 9, But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among 
those who had spied out the land tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy, to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has parted from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Caleb and Joshua trusted the Lord. Even when the rest of the people threatened to stone them, they continued to trust the Lord. And the Lord stood by them, and he honored them. So my dear friend, if you trust the Lord, he will surely save you. He will surely save you. Don't be shaken by the threat of the world. Don't be intimidated by the strength or the power of your sins. Trust in the Lord, who is more powerful than the threats of the world and the power of your sin. Trust in Him, and He will save you. Don't follow the masses. Look here. The ten spies doubted God, criticized God and his servants. And the majority of the Israelites did the same. They doubted God, they, criti they criticized him, they rejected him. They made their own leaders who could lead them back to Egypt. But Caleb and Joshua didn't follow them. They were a minority, but they stood firm. They said, we trust the Lord. And they asked the rest of them, do not fear. God will give us the land. And God was with them, and he honored them. And even us today, if we trust the Lord and follow him, he will save us. He, he will be with us. We shouldn't follow the masses. We shouldn't follow what people are saying around us. We should follow God himself. We should listen to him and trust him. Let us pray. Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee, O Lord, for this message. And we pray that this message will edify your people and draw sinners to Christ. Pray in the mighty name of our Savior and for his sake. Amen.